Hello, and welcome to G Talking All That Jazz. This podcast is really the testimony of a friendship that spans over four decades. A friendship between two black professionals that began in Harlem, New York in the mid 1970s. As young men, both learning from each other on how to navigate the sometimes formidable and unapologetic streets of Harlem, New York, both here and now, still standing with a wealth of transferable knowledge. As you join G and Jazz on their journey of reflection, listen, listen closely for the true messages about friendship, morality, and brotherly love, because their trials and tribulations come at a cost. G and Jazz opinions on a variety of topics, from love and relationships to family and politics, and of course, friendship. Again, welcome to G Talking All That Jazz. Enjoy the journey and buckle up. Yo, Jazz, what's going on, Papa Doc? Listen, just another day in the hood, my friend. Just trying to stay focused, keeping my butt planted because the coronavirus is out there. We got three more months, baby. I'm taking the vaccine as soon as it come out. <laughs> get that vaccine, baby. You got to get that vaccine, I'm man. the first How was your Thanksgiving, bro? It was good, man. Are you really going to take that vaccine? Yeah, man. You gonna take the vaccine for real? I'll be, I'll be the guinea pig. You sure? I'll sacrifice for the for the cause. You gonna take it for the collective? I. You gonna sacrifice for the cause? I do it, man. All right, man. We gonna have this conversation about Tuskegee, man. You know, in 1972, you know what they did to our people, right? They let us suffer from syphilis, man. You you gonna really go? You gonna trust them for real? I think that we we are more um, informed now. I think that we can do our own investigation. And although, yes, there's a trust issue that uh, men, specifically African-American men, have with our healthcare system, but we have to engage in it. We have to engage in it so that um, it, can, it can better or it can be more beneficial to our race in a general sense. And that's one of the problems is that, especially when it comes to research, we don't participate in research. And so we don't know how these vaccines or these treatments are going to impact the health of African-Americans. And we talked about the disparities in our community now, man, when it comes to hypertension, diabetes, um, HIV. Yesterday was uh, HIV World AIDS Day. And so we talk about all these things yeah. and we, we, we cannot be part of the problem in a sense. We have to be part of the solution, but I do understand the reservations when it comes to engaging the historical problems that we have had in this country, when it comes to engaging in the healthcare system, I, I totally get it, but I will take the sacrifice for the team. Brother. Let's go, baby. Let's go. <laughs> so here to today's podcast, man. So listen, man, we're going to touch on some, a different, um, a direction today, man. We're going to talk about relationships infidelity, and forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. Now that's going to be a touchy kind of, ooh, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a deep one, man. We might open up some wounds, man. You sure you ready to go down this 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 rabbit hole? You sure you ready to do this? Listen, my friend, I'm already in the rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well let's go. So listen, man. Before we start, man, go ahead and give our disclaimer to our our, our people, man. You know, give you a disclaimer. Bong 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 bong. This is a public <laughs> service announcement. All the stories you're about to hear are all true. True. Names, dates, and events will not be changed. 
will not be changed. If we happen to drop your name in one of these stories and it causes a divorce, a split up, a split up, <laughs> loss of your, uh, your material possessions, your kids leaving, we are sorry, but we are Beyonce sorry. Sorry, guys not sorry. Not sorry, these guys out of control. <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, uh, boys and girls, uh, brothers and sisters, we invited uh, uh, two remarkable people to join us today to talk about the male perspective on relationships, infidelity, and forgiveness. Uh, and uh, so I'm gonna introduce you to both. Let me start off with Miss Rosemary A. Anderson. Ms. Rosemary Anderson is a Chief Executive Officer of Rosemary A. Anderson Associates, a clinical practice and consulting firm. Ms. Anderson is a leader in social work practice. Her professional expertise includes working in the education, courts, military, public and mental health, private insurance and employee assistance areas of specialization. Ms. Anderson is a second year MBA student at Loyola University of Maryland, Selinger School of Business, holds a MSW from the University of Maryland Graduate School of Social Work, and a BA in Political Science from the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Mm. Uh, Baltimore County. She has been an adjunct faculty member of Morgan State University Graduate School of work for two decades. Ms. Anderson's personal core values include respect, integrity, hard work, and family. She believes that investing and cultivating one's self-identity leads to restore and renew oneself. Hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, Ms. Rosemary Anderson. Also, I would like to introduce Mr. Brother Rashi K. Sharif Al-Bay is recognized as a subject matter expert in the areas of instructional design, training, and organizational development, and is a principal and managing consultant with the Sharif Group LLC, a business consultancy specializing in human resources and organizational development, and providing recruiting, training, and business solutions to corporations, nonprofit organizations, and academic institutions in the Boston, D.C. corridor. Brother Sharif Al-Bay's expertise includes strategic HR management, organization development, organizational effectiveness, change in psychology, a plan change, organizational culture, management and leadership, adult learning, and strategies for businesses and program development. He has led competency integration initiatives at large and mid-sized organizations in several sectors and industries and he has helped to create and implement and measure effective learning, promotion, development, performance management systems. Ladies and gentlemen, Brother Rashid Sharif Albay, welcome to the show. And the crowd goes <laughs> wild. Rosie, I'm proud of you. <laughs> Rosie, I'm serious. I'm sitting here cheesing. If I could smile anymore, I'd have a flip top head. <laughs> so, G, we got a, a, like you said, we got a, a really good. Uh, um, topic to talk about. You know, I, I, I am so proud that we have a, a African-American uh, vice president-elect going into office for 2020. Yes. And for some reason, 
I have just turned into an attorney. I've turned into a district attorney for some reason. You have? Yes, I have, man. And she oh. has motivated me. She has okay. motivated me. All so, right. now, so now it, it has, she has emboldened me. I know it's about the little girls, the little black girls, but she has emboldened this black grown man. And so now yeah. I've, been, I've become a lawyer. So let me give you the facts. Here's the okay. facts about relationships. Couples marry between the ages of 20 and 25 are more, are 60% likely to get a divorce. Wow. That same divorce rate for black men and black women are at 42%. Black women, divorce rates are higher than their rates of marriage. 23% of men cheat compared to only 13% of women who cheat. Mm. 22% of black men cheat more than white men and more than Hispanic men. And lastly, men, black men who are in relationships with women who are the breadwinners are more than more likely to get a divorce. Wow. So our community in terms of love and marriage and relationship, again, we are in crisis. Wow. So we so, have our experts here. And yes. so we want to we jump right into it. And right out the gate, can a relationship survive after cheating? And so I want to pose that question first. Ladies first, I'm, I'm in Georgia. So, uh, you know, this is how we treat our ladies in Georgia. Rosie. And that's how your mother raised you too. Don't act like you don't know no better, bro. <laughs> yeah, she did. So, so Rosie, can a relationship survive after cheating? I would say yes, a relationship can survive after cheating, but I would like to kind of think about restating of the question okay. and really think about how we define the word cheating. And I want to say that because that word just invokes so many things to so many people. Um, but yet, we never start with the idea and the concept of relationship ground rules mm -hmm. and the violation of relationship ground rules is really what we're talking about, mm -hmm. right? Because what I'd like us to think about um, is tonight as we talk together is this idea is that have we kind of set forth in our mind a social construct in terms of how we view relationships and what relationships should be like according to who and what and who sets the value for that? Have we created that construct and then forced everybody into living within a construct with rules that um, are established by people outside of the partners. And then we label it cheating. So I wanna, I wanna step back and little, little and just say, yes, relationships can survive cheating, but more times than not, there's no real relationship ground rules set forth in the beginning. Mm. What about yeah, Brother Rashid, I want to hear your perspective on it as well. Can it? Well, you know what? Man, um, 
there's there's a there's a couple of thoughts that um, come to mind uh, just listening to uh, to to what Rosie had to say um, that added on to what I already was thinking about and and, and uh, we 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 like to say that 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 which is best administrated is best and how can you administrate a situation if there are no parameters to administrate within. We gotta know what the rules of the game are. We gotta know what the lay of the land is. I mean, when we play in a game of bid whist, we know what's wild. We know if there's something wild, we can't go into the game, not until we know what the rules are that we're playing by. And so since relationships, marital relationships are what, we, are what we're talking about now, then the very first thing that we gotta understand is that every relationship is idiosyncratic. They are specific to the people that is in it. We cannot take somebody else's scorecard and score our game. Uh, now, relationships, in, in particular, um, marital relationships, fall under the paradigm uh, of of um, of, uh, of family. If it's a if it's a man and a woman, if it's two women, if it's two men, whatever the relationship looks like, okay, um, <clears throat> it's family. A family is a social institution, and it's a portion of culture. And culture is very, very key. The two, uh, uh, the two main functions of culture, uh, we, we could give a formal definition of culture as being um, uh, the, the shared beliefs, assumptions, uh, uh, stories, narratives of beginnings, narratives of endings, narratives of transitions, narratives of victories and, uh, and losses and, uh, uh, and defeats, all of these things that a, that a social group whoever that social group may be, share these, these things um, and, uh, and utilize them uh, as a way to do two things chiefly. One, to, uh, uh, to adapt to changes in the external environment. Uh, two, to ensure and, uh, and, uh, and then to sustain the internal integrity of the social group. And by integrity, I mean in the mathematical sense, an integer is whole, all right? So if you send a ship out that does not have watertight integrity, or you launch out a plane or a rocket that does not have airtight integrity, like what happened to the Challenger shuttle, it didn't have airtight integrity because of a faulty O-ring that people knew existed. So culture is what holds us together internally and ensures that we have a, a demographic cohesion and it's also the thing that provides us with the resiliency and, and the, and the uh, uh, requisite variety that we need to respond to changes in our environment in real time, okay? So now that we know what culture is, it helps us to better understand how in an idiosyncratic way, a way that is specific to the two people in the relationship, how do they within their relationship culture apply that and the demographic culture to survive and further to thrive because survival is not enough. Right. Thriving yeah. is the key. And can a relationship now, given all of those things, thrive after what they themselves define as being a cheating scenario, a serial scenario, or a one-off where this is the only time it happened and then we have to look at root causes and all of that other stuff. So um, I, I love the question. I love the topic. And I, I, I wish that we would talk about it a whole lot more. It can survive, yes, but there are so many variables to whether it will and whether it won't. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to 
tying in, or after we heard Brother Rashid, I want to ask you, I want to do a follow-up with you on this, Rosie. So you're saying that marriage is a, is a social construct, something that was designed, when I hear social construct, I hear something that was designed to benefit the dominant culture. When I always hear that word, that's what I think about. Who makes up this, this social construct? It is the dominant culture. So are you saying that we are basing our principles of marriage based on who is in the in-group compared to who is in the out-group? And I'm not mm -hmm. sure if I'm making sense. No, you make a lot of plenty of sense. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. I liked how Brother Rashid talked about this idea of that social construct and how built in that is the values and the mores and the belief systems that are really foundational, not only for us to survive, but to thrive, right? And I think that it's important that given where we are and given the intersection of who we are as people of color in this space, right? In, like where we are now, we have to survive. And in order to survive, we have to use this construct and, and, and we have to somehow make it our own, craft it, mold it to be fashioned in a way as to fit our needs to that end, which is survival and thriving. And I think what happens many times is, and I know Trevor Noah talked about it, um, when he talked about this social contract and when you, when you aren't in agreement and aligned with that social contract, then people are in uproar, people are out of order. The same applies to cheating and coming out of whatever are these, what I describe as ground rules for the relationships, order, structures that are put in place. And when you come out of that and you behave, any behave, any number of behaviors, including cheating, in such a way as you come out of that, then you jeopardize what you're building and what you're building towards. And I think it's interesting as you spoke that I don't think we learn that that's what it is. Like even definitionally to think of our relationships from the very beginning in terms of the power that they invoke in our communities and in our overall systems is not where we, it's not where we start. It's never a starting point. So I think it's interesting as we have this conversation, which will bring full circle back to this idea of surviving cheating, it's really starts at the heart of to even understand what the relationship contract is and what it really means. Uh, Brother Rashid, I want to follow up on something. What I took from what you were saying that there's, you know, and I'm going to say it in layman's terms, there are rules to the game. So when yeah. we get together in a relationship, you know, there should be, we shouldn't understand the rules of our relationship and then it shouldn't be predicated upon other people's relationships. So yes. can you talk about, you know, um, um, and Brother Rashid, from a male's perspective, you know, and you know, and you can use your personal if you can, if you don't mind. Like, what what are some of the rules that you talk or discuss with your with your mate or within past relationship, or some of the rules that that maybe you can share with our listeners? Like, what are some of the rules that for a relationship that you think that are valuable that we should know of? 
or one of the fundamentals is um, just to just to allow our thinking to be informed by the shell we live in, you know, to the extent that we have we have two eyeballs, they see with one vision. We got two nostrils, they breathe one breath. We got two ears, they hear one sound. We got one mouth to speak with one voice for all the other ones that take the information in. Um, so we have to learn uh, how, to, how to be teammates. We have to learn how to be teammates. One of the things uh, 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 about um, developmental psychology we learn from, we learn from, uh, uh, from uh, 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 George Herbert Mead is that the way a child develops is it learns first by, by imitation. It imitates who it sees around it. It imitates daddy, puts on the hat, puts on the shoes and clumps all around the house. Child and God and mama's, you know, uh, makeup, got her lipstick smeared all over the place and he's using it for a crayon. They imitate. The imitation becomes play and then play becomes uh, uh, putting oneself in the social environment, seeing oneself in the social environment in, in, in a reality sense. And then it becomes team play. And the beautiful thing about team play, it's a, it's a form of learning to put oneself in the shoes of the other person's role. To know that other person's role helps us to know how to function better in our own role. So uh, if I'm on first base and Jazz is on uh, third base and Rose is on second base and somebody hits a straight line drive over the pitcher's head and it's a little bit past Rosie too and she got to run back towards the center field, it's too inbound, too, too infield for the, for the center field to grab. The Rosie's got to run for it. Then you, the shortstop, got to know the second base person's job. Yeah. You can't do your job as a shortstop, not unless you know the job of the second base and the third base. Yes. The third base has to know the job of the catcher. Because if something's going on and the catcher has to run for a bunt and somebody's trying to make the slide, that third base person has to know what to do to keep that run from getting in. So for the whole team to function well, everybody has to know everybody else's role and be able to put themselves in those shoes. So right there, we come to an understanding about what our expectations are right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. If you know what, th what this means to me, if we've defined some things about what, what this, how I experience this thing when you say it or when you do it or fail to do it or don't say it, then that will help to guide your actions and your words and help us remain cohesive. And that's a bi-directional thing. That's not something that is, is, is on you to do, but not me. That's, that's two ways. like them, you know, the saloon doors. That's, that's, a, that's a gate that swings both ways. Yeah. So, and, and Rosie, can you, I, I want to hear Rosie's um, perspective on rules to the game in a relationship. What kind of rules, you know, um, would you set or think that you need to know in building a relationship, uh, a striving relationship? Well, it's interesting. Um when we start off the podcast and you gave the quote around 60% um, um, divorce rate amongst those that married between 20 and 25, I would fit in that category personally. So I can truly say that in my personal relationship and partnership for over 25 years, we have actually grown up together. And one of the things that I recall in terms of us getting together, we had no relationship rules. All we knew was that we had a son and we were gonna raise our son together. And we had values that we came with and things we wanted to accomplish. 
And as Brother Rashid said, I think that we had the mutual empathy to know that we had to walk together and become team teammates. Um, but those rules that we needed were things like, um, and I'm going to be frank, intimacy. You know, yeah. how many times we going how how are we how are we going to be intimate together? What's that going to look like? What's your expectation? What's my expectation? Respect. What does respect mean to you? How is that defined to you? Communication. How do you communicate? Are you a verbal communicator? Are you a nonverbal communicator? Um, what do you need from me? Every partner being able to say specifically what they need. How do they show care and love and reciprocation? Um, and being able to define that. How many things, like how many kids do you want? Do you want no kids? Do you want some kids? Um, religious beliefs. How will we operate religiously in our values and our social construct and how we want to interact with our friends and family? And I can truly say from a clinical perspective, the reason why um, I, I focus heavily on this idea of the contract and the ground rules is because as I see couples that come to me, their aha moments is around never setting these ground rules around these issues, meaning they're headed for divorce because they're trapped in a tug of war around these ground rules that were never established, yet they went through the process of the, trying to develop a whole healthy relationship without making sure that was intact from the beginning. So is, so is this dysfunction that we're talking about, is there a, uh, is there a correlation with this dysfunction and also with some of this, the dysfunction within the black community? Is, it, does, is this just reflecting the black community our relationships are just reflecting some of the dysfunction that happens within our community as well. Well, I, I think Rashid. that um, I think that I think that's uh, something that's moving in both directions. I really do. I think that a lot of what we see in dysfunctional relationships reflects what is in our our larger uh, uh, context, our social context, and I think that the social context in turn. Uh, uh, devolves in some ways and evolves in others on the basis of the nature of the, of, of the micro level of relationships within that. So each one is reflecting and, uh, the other and influencing the other at the same time. And it's, it, it's recursive, right? It goes back and forth from one to the other to the other. And each thing is shape, being shaped as it is shaping the other, the other uh, end of it. So there's a macro and a micro going on. So, um, so Rosie, mm -hmm. um, why do you think men cheat more than women do? I think the number was what, 23% of men cheat with 12 or 13% of women cheat. Why do you think um, men cheat more than women? What are some of, you, some of the things you think on why that happens? I think because they can. <laughs> and, <laughs> I think they can. I think that I think that um, our culture, um, which in many senses is patriarchal in nature, um, has set a construct in motion where um, fidelity um, by men 
is not um is not that's not put on a pedestal it's not like people are running around saying hey you know you get a badge because you don't cheat you know um there there isn't um internally there i always say there isn't any kind of like disdain or you are not treated in an ill way because you're a cheater um amongst men um in many cases, you know, people quietly just let you do what you do. So there's no negative reinforcer uh, for men around uh, infidelity. And I've always said, you know, that if in the, you know, I call it in those, you know, uh, little quiet rooms down, you know, uh, in the basement when you watch the football game or out of the bar, you know, when you're chilling with your homeboys, when somebody speaks in a way where they glorify their behavior, the minute brothers start uh, checking each other, then you know you'll see that decrease because there will be the re reinforcement of the behavior would be negative, uh, and it isn't now. So I think it's it, it in in layman's terms, it that's part of it. The other thing I want to just take ownership on is that. The other side of that is if women were less accepting of these little parts of men and these little pieces that they're getting in terms of filling their buckets up and learning to say no to relationships where you are not um, in partnership with someone primarily, then that would end the game in itself because then, um, it wouldn't be anyone to cheat with. So I think both men and women play a really important role on why it happens. And I think that until we start to have some of those really strong conversations with one another and kind of hold each other accountable to that, I think it'll continue to be the case because everyone is seeking, as I call it, to get their bucket filled. Brother Rashid, same question to you. Why do you think men cheat more than women do? Or you well, know, why thing, do you think men first cheat? Thing yeah. is, first thing I would say is uh, I, 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 I would ask about the, um, the, the, uh, the, the, the word I'm looking for is taking too long to come. So I'm going to say it the long way. Uh, the, 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 the validity, that's the word I was looking for. The validity of the numbers themselves. I mean, are, are, are these are these are these statistics produced by self-report? Because then they could be much higher. Yeah. I mean, are, are, is this because of someone's observation? How did they collect the data? Did they, did they have a camera somewhere, you know, and a mic to listen to things and, 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 and collect the data that way? Or, or did this come from interviews and people fronted about what they had been doing? And so the numbers are showing up a lot lower than what they actually are. Right. Uh, are there many, many more women cheating than who are willing to say that they do it? We don't live in, in 1950 anymore. We live in 2020. Yes, women sir. have very different attitudes about what applies to them, what they will put up with, what is required of them just to be able to run a household. And if I got to work 10 hours a day and you work in 10 hours a day, 
Yet I'm the one who has to also come home and do all the cooking, do all the cleaning, change all the diapers, get all the kids' homework done, get everybody in bed, wake everybody up in time for school, get everybody out and on their way. And then I go do my 10 hours. You go, you do your 10 hours. You come home and put the ball game on and chill out while I'm cooking. You know, maybe I don't care about that so much. All right. So, so maybe I don't think I should put, stay put for that. And since, um, you know, our whole, our whole structure in terms of the children's upbringing and our home and we're in economic partnership that we might not have been back in 1920. We might not have been that when grandmothers and great grandmothers back in those days were having 15 children because all the kids had to get out into the, out into the field at crop picking time. Maybe, maybe we don't have our child or two until I'm already 35. Cause I got a career too, just like you. I got an office husband too, just like you got an office wife. Okay. So maybe we take it out of the office then. Ouch. I ain't gonna come tell you. <laughs> you ain't gonna come tell me, I ain't gonna tell you. Brother Rashid, you forgot something. What's that? We're supposed to have sex too. So as you named all that stuff. You know, on top of all that, right? <laughs> Don't forget that. <laughs> you know, and 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 I hope that I hope that I don't sound crude when I say this, but um, but I think it's real. Okay, so you can ask you can ask one of these brothers. You know, well, you know, uh, she she says to the brother, well, bro, uh, why why, what what was it that made you cheat? What what was it that that motivated you to do that to to give into that? I mean, maybe it wasn't even a struggle. Maybe it wasn't about giving in. Maybe you went and looked for it. Well, why did you do it? Man, listen, I, maybe I just needed, I, I needed some, something new, something different. Yeah? And God forgive me, y'all, if, 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 you know, we can punish me later. And she could say, you know what, bro? If, if you had an extra inch, you would have found something new right here. <laughs> But the extra inch could have been something up here. In yes, the mind. yes. The extra inch could have been, could you see a, an inch farther than what you used to seeing? Were yes. you willing to look a little bit harder? Were you willing to stretch your hearing an inch mm -hmm. out farther and hear what it was I was trying to say? Don't listen to the words. Listen, listen, listen to what is behind those words. What's causing those words, what's bringing those words, all right? Um, and you could have found a whole new person right here. Okay, mm -hmm. and that too is a door that swings both ways. So yeah. now, so so the thing is that, um, uh, yeah, um, men 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 typically cheat more. It seems, uh, 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 it does not seem counterintuitive to me, for us to draw the conclusion that men do cheat more. Numbers be what they may, even without any numbers, we can probably make a safe assumption that men do. Why? Because of exactly what. Rosie said, we live in a, a, a patriarchal construct. Patri, father. Archal, rule. Father rules. Dad knows best. Dad works hard, so dad's gonna go out and play. Okay? Uh, mom basically subordinates to what dad says that the rules of this game are gonna be. So dad's gotta go out, boys gotta be boys. You know, he gotta blow off some steam. But we are accepting some things when we do that. We're bringing some we're bringing some expectations to it that are hurtful to us. Okay, uh, and, and I I I I think of relationships a lot of times. I just was talking to my mate uh, a few days ago about this this same idea 
that we, we, we can think of our relationship like a lifeboat. And sometimes, you know, you can really, really be angry at your partner. You don't want to do anything for your partner right now because you're furious at them. And it feels like, you know what, damn you. And that can also go in both directions. But as long as you keep the boat in good repair, then sometimes that boat, just the fact that that boat has watertight integrity can save you and carry you when you don't have the wherewithal mm -hmm. to carry yourself and to carry her or to carry him. Just the fact that you've been working on this boat the whole time consistently gets you through the rapids, you know? Um, so that's a way for us to be able to protect ourselves too. Work, 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 for, work for when we hit those whitewater rapids. Everything, it's easy when everything's going good, but make things strong for when they're not going so good so that we have something we can rely on. The strength of the relationship could sustain us until th things, you know, we get out of the choppy water. So the waters calm down. So I want to I want to bring a, another dynamic to this, and this is something that I work with with women, and it goes back to the discussion we're having around our community, the dysfunction of our community, or the historical part of this. And one of the things that that I that I think happens um, when you, brother, she really poignantly put it out when you as a woman feel that you're overwhelmed, right? what typically happens is the lashing out behavior, which includes um, a sharp tongue. Um, mm. It includes um, hurtful words, hurtful mm -hmm. statements, um, um, hurtful actions. Withholding um, sex. Withhold, withholding sex, I'll agree. Um, and when you do that, you're, as women, that's our way of sending a message that we're, that we're unhappy and we want to change. But mm -hmm. what I've learned is that, but what that does to a man, particularly mm -hmm. a man of color, is it diminishes them in the power and the authority that they feel like they're supposed to have within our society. It's yet another dagger mm -hmm. in, their, in, their, in their heart, in a sense. And it doesn't necessarily get you to where you want to go. Yes. And so one of the things that I really work with women on is, is that, you know, how do you have a mindset change around how you speak to men, how you share your concerns, the manner in which you talk about what change should look like and what your expectations are that, that aren't hurtful. Because I think that when that hurt comes in and you feel eroded, then when there's another woman who says, you know, you're handsome today. I love that tie. You look good. Let me take you out to lunch. Mm. And, and, and they start saying affirming words to your man. Then she becomes far more intriguing than walking through the door in the evening for you to hurl epithets at them and yell and scream or ignore them till they go to bed. So I think we have to be realistic that the hurt that black women or women in general experienced in a relationship that we don't then try to like poke, 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 poke 
and send these negative things out in the universe because it's not going to come back the way we want because we're really asking for a better relationship but we're yes. doing it the wrong way in terms of like our tone our cadence and our attitudes and, how, and our attitudes and how we're communicating it now now see now see what rosie what rosie just articulated is a perfect example for how either the man or the woman or both can do the work that keeps the boat in good repair. Mm-hmm. See, it keeps yeah. the boat in good repair. Um, if, 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 if I'm angry at you and it's you and I in the boat, okay? And I, I mean, I really wanna strike you. I'm gonna take this pickaxe over here in the corner and I'm just gonna hurl and see if I can chop you with it. Never mind the fact that I'm chopping a hole in the boat and we're both gonna sink. That's not the way to stay afloat. But it takes a level of emotional maturity that a lot of us don't have, quite frankly. We don't have the level of emotional maturity across the board. We act on our feelings and not, not, on, uh, not on strategic forethought. Is this gonna actually even result in the outcome I'm looking for? No, then why am I doing it? Doing it, yes! I love feeling. it. Okay, yes. a satisfied feeling. All right, well, you know what? You can satisfy the feeling of hunger by eating something and then you find out it's poisonous. You're going to go on eating it because now you're not hungry anymore. You're not hungry because you're not alive. You're sick. Yeah, you're dying. Yeah. (laughs) See, so uh, we know that we're not going to always see eye to eye. We know this. We're both thinking adults. We're not going to always see eye to eye. What is our strategy for getting through the places where we do not see eye to eye? We have to be willing to always choose love over anger. Love don't mean you don't get angry. Love means, l- love means that you govern yourself accordingly in relation to the outcome that you wanna have when you're angry. And that takes work. That's inner work. That, that, that's, that's personal work. We have to go into ourselves to do that. The mate can't do that for us. The mate has their own work to do. Right. And we have to hold the mate accountable for their work. We need a mate who will hold us accountable for our work. And this is the, now I'm not religious, okay? But different religious texts have very insightful things to say. You know, the Bible does not speak to us about our mate. The Bible speaks to us about a help meet. The person that we're with as a mate is supposed to help us meet our potential according to our capacity. And then to not be satisfied with the capacity, but to be able to expand our capacity as we learn and grow. And that is what we're here to help one another do so that we can each together, hand in hand, achieve our respective godhood. That's what the marriage is really supposed to be about. And then that helps us to set some of the ground rules. Once we understand what the purpose of the thing is, we know what it's supposed to look like. We can design it accordingly. This is systems design. That's what we're together for. Absolutely. But so, but how do how do relationships counter um, all the things that we see on television, all the images that we see? What relationships look like? Get, G and I talk all the time, and I say to G, G, these women out here are savages, right? <laughs> yeah, all the time, <laughs> all the time. And I say that, and I say that not not um, disrespectfully, because, right? Not disrespectfully, and not because they're imitating men, because they are. They have their own money. They have yep. their own businesses, careers. They have their own yep. homes. They have their own careers. So, Cause, the, so yep. the need to be in a relationship, which the, the what 
appears to be the need to be in a relationship is that economic support of two people and things like that. That stuff is like, it's foggy. And so some of the things that we're talking about are maybe in, in how things should be, but here how things are is that women have, not women, what we see on, on in the media and, and, and social media and, 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 and television and the movies, we see a whole shift in terms of the role of women in our society. Yes. You touched upon it when you said that now women have a dual role. They have a traditional role to be in a home. And then also they have a role and being a career wife. Career yeah. women, yeah. Career women. How do they balance that? And then you look at the numbers of women who are having heart, attack, heart attacks and strokes and, and, and how that's changing. Because at one time it was men who were having these heart attacks and strokes. And now men only deal with what? Making the money and coming home. They only deal with mm -hmm. the traditional role. And so we li we're living, we're still kind of living in this world of double standards. Yes. And, so in, in accident, in, in talking about double standards, why is it okay? This is what G say. If a if a man has um, multiple partners, he's a hero. Hero. But yes. if a woman have multiple partners, she's, she's a, a zero. How do what can is that necessarily true? Yeah. And, and is our society promoting that now, Rosie? Um, it's absolutely true. Um, and our society has always promoted that. And it is a way um, in this, you know, political construct in order to ensure that women don't gain full power and access to everything that they deserve, um, including um, maintenance of their own homes and lead, being leaders in their own families, particularly in situations where they're divorced and they're single um, single wage earner in the household. And so what happens is, is that if you vilify a woman for taking care of herself and meeting her, all of her needs, even her sexual and intimate needs, she's seen as wrong. Whereas, you know, on an equal playing field, everyone, every human wants to meet all of their needs and mm -hmm. should be allowed to in a safe, productive um, way. And so we, we really have to take off the blinders. You talked about social media and I said, is that real? Because the one thing that I know um, and I hear you know, from women is that I don't care if you have PhDs or you're a scientist, every woman wants to be loved and cared oh, for yes. and held and wants, wants to find someone that they can feel vulnerable with at a level um, that they have never experienced before in their life. They want that. So, and they're, you know, if, if they find that trusting partner, they are willing to say, hey, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a this and during the day, but just like Superwoman, I can take off that cape and change and be those other things. Whatever you so, need me to be. Yeah, they mm -hmm. can be transformational. Women can be transformational. So I mm -hmm. think, you know, I think sometimes, and what I heard, I was in a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and in the conversation, the brother pointed out that 
there is an issue with black men feeling that feeling a level of inadequacy inferior. at the inferior at, at the level of accomplishment of a sister so much so that they would not choose that sister because of her degrees or her status and things of that nature to walk with her in partnership for a lifetime and that threw me off because and I guess it's I guess it's easier for me to put it together personally because I walked with my partner into where we are now we walk together but I found it hard to believe that there are beautiful wonderful capable sisters out here that potentially won't find a life partner because um, a brother is saying, I don't want, I feel inferior to her based on her accomplishment. So I don't know if that is the case or that's what, you know, has been y'all's experience, but I feel like that's an issue. We have to get past that. We have to have a mindset shift if we're going to do what we said, which is um, create this, this social construct for marriage and grow it. Mm-hmm. Rashid, what do you say, Rashid? You know, I'm just I'm just so enthralled listening to Rosie over here. I, I, you know, it, it feels sometimes like you know you listen to a person like they. Wow, you must have been in my living room. I'm looking for the camera. <laughs> <laughs> looking for the camera, man. You know, um, it's true. I, mean, I, I I recall seeing one. I recall seeing one conversation thread on someone's Facebook group. I I don't even remember who it was that was talking about um, the. The, the broken men who, who, who are out here, and it's so many of us, and perhaps it's all of us in one way or another, that women, women have, have had, black women have had to struggle so hard and do so much to try to keep the family together, to try to keep that social institution going, that you all are now the most highly educated demographic in this country, yep. bar none, mm-hmm. bar mm-hmm. any racial, ethnic, anything uh, as a yardstick. No one is more educated than you all and no one is more accomplished than you all. And so it, does the man even exist that, that, that women like that would look for? Does the man exist that the, that the women like these would um, would be willing to be with? And when I say willing to be with, yes, okay. So you so you go ahead and and, and engage in the relationship with Joe with, with blue collar, and that's fine. Any honorable work is honorable work. But then, what is that man's mindset going to be? Does he have breakage someplace? Okay, what kind of a relationship did he have with his mother? What kind of a relationship that his mother modeled for him with his father? Was the father absent? If the father was absent or intermittently present, that still forms a relationship paradigm that this young man now is gonna grow up with. How can he not feel inadequate? Or how can he not feel uh, there's a shortfall between, because we live in a society that is very materialistic, it's capital-based. Yeah. So if he cannot go out and hunt, I heard Denzel Washington use that use that uh, terminology. W- women want to see see if you can still hunt, man. That's what that ring is about. 
-hmm. It's not the intrinsic value of the ring because the intrinsic value of the diamond is zero. It's arbitrarily set. She wants to see in this social context, can you hunt? And so after you give her the ring, you know, they all, all the friends got to get together. They got to go out and then all the ladies, you see, go have to go in the bathroom and have the meeting in the ladies room so that they can let her know if the guy is a hero or a bum. Yeah. Show us the carcass. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, he brought home a rabbit, baby. That ain't no deer. He told you that was a deer? Nah, man, that's, that's, a, that's a rabbit. They're going to appraise the ring. They're going to appraise the ring. Yes. You see? So now, where do these ideas come from? Okay? And you mentioned media. This is key. All right? This is key because 90% of the media message, whether it's, whether it's television, cinema, music, uh, 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 art, written, uh, you know, print media, social media, 90% of the social media is owned and or controlled by six corporate conglomerates. Six. And the, and the CEOs of those corporate conglomerates, their loyalty is not the uh, 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 truthfulness in the message or whether that message is good for you and your social demographic. Their loyalty and their obligation is to those shareholders and those stockholders. That's the only people that, that matter as far as they're concerned. Those mm -hmm. messages are not intended to, to uplift us. Mm -hmm. They're intended to com commodify us. Mm -hmm. for, for, all, for all the vitriol that we might spew out there about people like Step and Fetch It. Step and Fetch It was, a, was both a comic genius and a commercial genius because he knew what white America would buy. So he packaged this image of a wrinkle-headed, head-scratching Negro, foot-shuffling, stumble-mouth, bumble-mouth, because he knew they would buy that. That's what they want to see. They don't want to see kings and queens. Right. Or didn't right. want to see kings and queens at least. And so he marketed that to them and became a wealthy, he was a black millionaire in his day and age because of knowing how to market things to what they would want to see. So that means that those who control that 90% of the message, even some of public radio, NPR, Pacifica, okay, has a lot of corporate involvement. Mm -hmm. So those messages are designed to shape our choices and our behaviors, which are not necessarily going to be good for us. They're going to be based or, or, or connected to commodification and commercialization so that we can continue to feed the machine with our money. That's what that's about. So we are taking our message for who to be and how to be from the wrong sources when we're looking at the media. That's why that's a part of what's taken us off so far. Oh man, I was a real, real anti-Tyler Perry person at one point, just because of that, until I understood what he was trying to do, was raise some money with a willing audience who would allow him to then later on establish his own independence and his own ability to say things how he wanted to say them? Because his right. later movies aren't like his Madea movies. Right. But he had to put himself in position to do that. And he needed the capital. And so he did the same thing Step and Fetch it did. Yes. It's yeah. a strategy. And that's when I learned how to respect him and see his work from a different standpoint. He, he was having a higher game, and I just didn't know that he, he was thinking that way. Now, but you mentioned something earlier about, about power, Rosie. Mm -hmm. and roll. And, and on what I call syllabus day, the first day of class in that semester, I have a conversation with my students about expectations. What I have the right and the obligation to expect from them as students and what they have the right and, and the obligation to themselves, they're obligated to have certain expectations about me as their professor. 
And that means that we are talking about everybody in that classroom holding power. Mm. So one of the things that couples have to do in defining the rules of the game is to talk about power distribution. Everybody in the relationship has power. There is no such reality as one's got all the power and the other's got none. That's BS. Mm. And the young couple who has who has an infant, two weeks old, uh, home in, in the crib, guess what? The baby's got power too. Because about 2.30 in the morning when it comes time for that feeding and the baby starts, <laughs> now there's a power struggle, first of all, in the bed between which parent is going to get up and take care of the child. Damn right. And then whenever that power struggle, it, it, it looks like it's, it, it, it's, it's stalemated, okay, then the baby steps in and the baby's power is one of y'all is getting up or nobody's going to sleep, yeah. okay? Everybody's going to lay here till dawn until one of y'all get up and take care of me. So the baby had the power that time and the baby wins every time, all right? So we got to understand something about power and be willing to, to, to work with each other in a give and take mm. of a power relationship. It's a dynamic. Dynamic means it's moving. It's not a power static. It's a power dynamic. So, so I've always looked at the power struggle as not necessarily um, how you say it, it, it's a more of um, a back and forth. I've always looked at it as an up and down. I always looked at at points mm. in the relationship, someone scale or like a seesaw, someone is up in the relationship. And at some point you can be up at one point and then you can be down at another point, depending mm -hmm. on where you may be in life. Um, mm -hmm. So, so it is it, it, a is a good perspective to hear how how you guys are articulating it because I I, I always looked at it as more like a, a seesaw and not as a a give and take. Now you yeah. know what's beautiful about that is this, and I love the seesaw analogy, and I tell you why because it helps us to understand the difference. Between, uh, between homeostasis, right, which we, we, we think of that as balance, uh, versus a, a, a steady dynamic, a steady state dynamic. And, and, and here's, here's what I mean by that. Homeostasis is that she and I are on this, uh, 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 on this um, uh, seesaw, and we somehow have, have managed to get the seesaw to like level out. But you know what that means? We ain't moving. Yeah. Nothing's happening. Right. We're static. stagnant. Yep. We are static. We are making no progress right. in any sense, shape, form, or fashion. So there's got to be a flow, okay? It, and, the, and the flow is constantly adjusting for every change that comes to that system, whether the change is being imposed upon it from the external environment or whether the change is being imposed upon it by a need to adapt internally to maintain the relationship cohesion. Mm -hmm. the integrity of the relationship. And this is what I'm talking about culture. So the relationship itself has its own idiosyncratic culture. And this is where the give and take happens. This is where the ebb and the flow happens, okay? So somebody is at a high point. They're at high tide right now. Their power is strong. And they are the ones who are leading us through this particular pass. The man's gotta be willing to relinquish some power in order to allow his woman to lead when she needs to lead. Yes. The woman has to be willing to fall back and let the man do his man thing. Men, you understand, uh, are, are a masculine energy and we expand. We're like light. We're like sound. We propagate with our energy. And that's what we give to the woman. Our money 
is, is sometimes a form of our energy. The woman receives this and like the earth, whatever we give her, she takes and she multiplies it and she gives us back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. The whole universe works that way. What makes it different between a man and a woman? Sometimes the masculine element within the woman's human nature emanates and propagates to us. And then it's the feminine nature within us that must take that, receive that, make something with it and multiply it. In other words, we gotta grow ourselves from off of what she contributes. See, they about to take my man card any second yeah. now. <laughs> but listen, she's coming for before you jump in rosie i tell everyone i got my strength as a man from my from my mother, mother. Mm -hmm. me too my mother you taught know. me all my game for real yeah, yeah my mother fact. yeah yeah and didn't you know and I... that the, didn't you know that the earliest representations of divine were god woman not god men god women were first yeah. God men is a later concept, but the indigenous all had a concept of the great mother. We need to look into that. And sure. it takes us right back to what Rosie said at the beginning about whose paradigm is it? Yes, we live in a social construct, whether we invented the concept, every culture invents a social construct within which it's going to operate. That's a part of its culture. But whose are we living in? And does it serve us or does it serve somebody else? Yeah. How much should we conform to it in order to survive in this culture, but how much should we create our own subculture that helps us to survive and to thrive? And so and so let me turn it back again over over to you, Rosie, because I know I jumped in there right with you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go, Rosie. <laughs> it's interesting because you know I'm a mother of four sons, which I didn't mm. say at the beginning. Wow. 23, 20, and 16-year-old twins. Wow. And so just being a mother to four sons, as you talk about that, uh, is really important to me. But I'll say that sometimes, and I've learned that I do need to shut up sometimes. And as you said, Sharif, back up a little sometimes and know the cadence and the ebb and flow of when I move. But then there's sometimes when my partner moves and I support, and I've learned that. Mm -hmm. mm. And it's something for us to learn in terms of, you know, what is that ebb and flow and how we move. But yes. back to the social media piece and media, and it made me think of growing up in the Cosby age mm -hmm. and the Cosby family age. And I think about it developmentally because I'm a product of a single family home. Mm -hmm. And I do not believe that as we move forward that you cannot live and have a healthy and productive, strong partnership relationship and grow a family if you didn't see it. Do you know what I mean? And I think that it's interesting to me that, you know, us, I call Cosby kids coming of age, really worked hard, you know, to emulate what we saw in that media around wanting to have this productive relationship. 
And I thought one day, like, wow, like Cosby may have cheated. Cosby <laughs> 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 may have cheated, right? In that relationship. Yet what I thought about through that lens and through the lens of so many older couples that have been together 40, 50 years, 35 years, now I see maybe they had to go through something. Right. Maybe they had to grow together and they build together. And like the ship analogy that Brother Rashid was saying, that through that growing and through those growing pains, it deepened their relationship for one another in terms of what they were building on is where we started, which was that social construct around what they wanted from their family, not from that generation, but what it would mean for multiple generations coming before them. And mm -hmm. I think one thing as women, from a women pers woman perspective, I think that when we think about infidelity and cheating, and I know we talked about like, what would you do? Would you deal with one time? Would you deal with serial cheating? I think the thing that's the greatest thing for us to think about is the fact that the context of which people operate and behave is so much more important than the act. Mm. And the fact that if that person is willing to give up on this contract, willing to give up on what we're building, willing to give up on what we're creating intergenerationally for the future of the people that we are bringing forward, generations, mm -hmm. because they wanna go out here and mess with other people, then mm -hmm. that may not be the person that you would wanna continue on with. But mm -hmm. sincerity in being able to communicate and know that you're getting what you need and there was some issue, some break in trust, but yet you were willing to come back and work harder on it to me means that, yeah, like we're human and that in building and growing intergenerationally, we see this plan on what we're trying to do um, bigger than just a one-off act and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that, again, we don't talk about in terms of how powerful the construct of relationship and, and, and um, partnership is to, mm -hmm. to not only that generation, but the generations that come for, forward. Because in my mind, you know, I tell the boys all the time, my, my sons, I'm like, sometimes I feel like, you know, I need to show you that, okay, relationships are real because you will now be leaders and you will go forth and you will want to emulate the partnership that we've created. But there's certain reality in that in terms of what it takes to do it. And when we went back to things we don't talk about, we don't talk about what it takes to make it work. Okay. We, we, we skirt over it. And we need to start talking about the grit and, and the fortitude that it takes mm. to build and grind for the benefit of generations to come. Absolutely. Let me build on to that for a real quick second. Sure. You know, I'm loving this conversation. Rosie, you're just bringing some really, really good stuff. I'm serious. And, yeah. And it's inspiring. You both you know, are. The conversation is just so inspiring. I, 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 I know we got to end at some point, man, but I really I don't know, want to. I know. <laughs> I know. But you know, you, 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 you touched on something earlier about someone um, talking about how long some of these older couples have been together. 
And we gotta we gotta understand. Okay, so from the sociological standpoint, there's three perspectives we can look at the thing from, and two are macro. One is micro. The macro are structural functionalism, the structure of the family, and the function of everybody in that family. It's, it's like, what role does each one of us play in the larger machine, okay? Um, when we approach it that way, we understand why women were responsible for the children. The women were the first god of the child, the first teacher of the child, the first giver of sustenance to the child mm -hmm. from out of her own body. Yeah, okay? the first protector. You see? so. God to a to an infant is mother. Daddy is like somewhere down the line later. It's the guy I meet that you know I come eventually. to find out. Right, my you eventually man. meet. He's right, trying to get up just as much as I am. Right. So we already got our little. Okay, so now uh, 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 that's the structural functionalism standpoint. Responsible for cooking. Responsible for uh, for for the, the 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 manufacture and repair of the family's clothing. Responsible for churching the children mm -hmm. into a yeah. spiritual life. Nurturing them. All of that. Uh, and, and, and all of us know some old couple where the, the, the woman was always trying to get, you know, the man to give up the football game on Sunday, come, come with us to church. And he's like, you know what? I ain't going to God's house. I know where God lives. God know where I live. And, and God uh, know me. <laughs> God know my heart. And that's how we get along. <laughs> um, but it's, it, it, and the second one though, we can look at marriage and, 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 and couple relationships from the standpoint of conflict theory. Mm -hmm. These things change the definitions of everything that goes on. Look how, look how, uh, uh, look at how um, the, uh, 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 the meaning of divorce changed once we began to look at it from the standpoint of conflict theory. Women who are situated in a position to be cheated on by men in a patriarchy where there's no real penalty for the man other than her leaving him if she eventually wants to or is able to leave, right. although and not make herself a displaced homemaker, okay? Yeah. Um, the man has got a kind of power because of the structure of the society that we live in. And then this harkens right back to Jazzy's point about whose construct is it? Is it helpful to us? Um, there's a conflict going on and how do, we, how do we deal with women as an oppressed minority within the family structure? So it's not bad if a woman is able to get divorced from this guy and, and, and move on with a life that is more productive for her and that expands her capacity and her ability to, to demonstrate her power in the world, her beingness in the world. God is in women just as much as God is in men. You see? And then from the micro standpoint, the, the, there, there is symbolic interactionism where everything is based on the meaning of what we do, the meaning of what we say. It's not because the diamond ring has all this intrinsic value. It's the symbol of what it means. It's the mm. symbol of what the wedding ceremony means. And that's why it changes, you see. These things are, are, are symbolized in different ways across different societies and cultures because they're symbolic. They're not real in and of themselves. They're real only to the extent that we think of them, how we define them. And then that takes us to the Thomas theorem. You see, the definition of the situation may be different for me than for my wife. I say something and it means A, B, and C, but to her, from her background, from her standpoint, it could have a completely different meaning. And now we have to negotiate meaning. You see, if we want to be successful, we have to negotiate what things mean. 
don't right. you know I cannot punish her for saying something that means something to me when that isn't what it meant to her. Mm-hmm. I have to be willing to negotiate with her what the meaning is and what is the appropriate response for me to have. Now we can have peace with each other. And we always have to come from the standpoint, okay, man up, as we like to say, and come from the standpoint that, you know, we can make mistakes. I don't regard cheating as a mistake. Cheating is a choice. Mm. You chose You didn't fall down no manhole. You didn't slip off the curb. <laughs> you made a hard decision. You made a, a deliberate choice to do what you did. Now you may be, you, you know, you may be situated in such a way that you're vulnerable to the choice, or you may just be a predator and don't give a damn. Right. Because I can. Brother Rashi, I just have to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> he just said the same he, thing I said, this morning. We had mistake. the same conversation this I morning. I said, man. oh, I, so this is the, okay, I cheated, baby. And this is how I made the mistake. I was walking down the street. <laughs> I happened to trip. My Both my shoes came off. I flipped my socks off. I pulled my pants down. I got an erection in midair. There was a woman laying there in perfect position, clothes off, and baby, it just went in. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then it had spasms. It just happened. Then that's, that's, that's a mistake. Yeah. That's the yeah. mistake. Now, there's a difference between making a mistake and being in manifest error. Mm. Yes. So we have to make sure that our mistakes are true and honest mistakes. And we also got to make sure we got to have the discipline and the, and the internal fortitude, the intestinal fortitude to be able to say and to really live it out that our mistakes are mistakes of the head and not of the heart. Mm. There, there, there is a thing that we, we, we've often heard that, that att- uh, energy flows where attention goes, mm-hmm. right? But we often forget, or if we ever knew that that energy flows where intention goes we know what that woman is is doing when she's coming on to us and if it's ambiguous and we ain't sure she's sure because men chase and women choose Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so we don't have to chase right she can't choose me if i if i ain't in the race right right and then this takes us right back to the agreement the social contract between me and my wife we define, we don't have no Thomas theorem issue between us where it's a definition of the situation and we both operating from off a different definition. Let's get together at the beginning and define what these things mean, yes. you see? So now if I see something uh, 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 that I define in one way and she sees it in another way, it has a different meaning for her, am I willing to relinquish the thing in order not to cause her pain? So am I willing to, to come from a place of uh, 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 choosing love over anger because of a perceived loss of, of a particular freedom that I like having as opposed to doing what will constitute working on the boat for the sake of when we hit that rough water, she can, she can know that she could rely on me to have a certain constancy and consistency Yes. and not obduracy because I got to have my way. You know, we love mm-hmm. to be right and we love to have our way. Nobody gets their way. All, all the, the men time. are mad at all the women because uh, uh, um, they, they love this woman when they meet her. They hope she will never change. But that, that consigns her and confines her to being imprisoned in never growing. Growth yes. is change. So therefore, women will change. And then all the men are mad at the women because they changed. All right. And then all the women are mad at all the men because, you know, he's so wonderful. I like this about him. I like that about him. Now, if I could just get this one thing, 
to get him to do it, he'd be perfect. Okay. Right. Uh, and if I can just change him, and you know what? Men don't change. No. Men don't change. So the women are mad at the men because the men won't change. And the men are mad at the women because the women they change. need To control everything about each yes. other, you know, and, and grow together into into a, a, a unit. Then then we can then we can make some headway, man. We can make some and our, we can heal our relationships. We can heal our marriages. We can heal our families and we can heal our community. Right. We are building outward now. Now, now, Rosie talked about these couples who have been together so long, 40, 50, 60 years, how did you do it? Yes, it was a different time in a different era with different, uh, uh, with, with different demands and a different society model to live within and things are very different now and that won't apply, okay? And depending upon whether we're looking at it from the standpoint of structural functionalism or whether we're looking at it from the standpoint of conflict theory, maybe it's a good thing that the marriages don't last that long. That means early parole for some people, <laughs> all right? So now, so, but the thing is this, just in, within this past week, I heard, it, I heard it put this way, where someone had asked their grandfather about how they managed, the, the, the grandmother had already predeceased him and, and they would have been married for 60 years. Uh, and they wanted to know, Pop Pop, how did y'all, how did y'all stay together for 60 years? That's like inconceivable today. Um, uh, uh, and he said, you know, she wasn't the same woman all them 60 years. Absolutely. She, 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 you know, she would go through her things. They would change her. Sometimes they would put her in a certain headspace or a certain spirit space. And she had to get through that valley and grow from it. If she chose to, to grow and not to, to stagnate right there. Um, and then she was a different woman on the other side of that. And then I found I had to adapt to who this different woman was and allow her the space to be that different woman, okay? So I had to become a different man in order to accommodate the different woman. He said, and so what it boils down to is that over the course of those 60 years, I was married to eight different women. Absolutely. You gotta let her change. Gotta let her change. Rosie, so tell us, light. Rosie. Yeah, <laughs> so Rosie. You know, we're gonna close the podcast out. So give give us some give us some final thoughts, Rosie. What, what, what's the takeaway from this? What do you want to tell our listeners? What's the most important things about being in a relationship and being in a, a and growing your relationship? You know, what would you what were your final remarks? Um, several things I want to close out with. I want to close out with forgiveness and the process of forgiveness and healing. Um, and I want to urge people to go and seek help and support in starting this process of forgiveness and healing. Um, we have to, as a community, embrace um, counseling and therapeutic services. Um, I, you are not by any means something wrong with you in terms of seeking support. I see myself and many others see ourselves as coaches, um, healers, and active listeners. Um, and we see ourselves as um, conduits for being able to talk through and work through um, many things. And the beauty about it is it's confidential. Um, it's impartial. It's not judgmental. And it's a space 
where you can be vulnerable and walk away knowing that you didn't lose anything by um, being part of the process. So healing starts with, and forgiveness starts after um, infidelity through that process and getting help is important. The other part I wanna point out is that on the other side, um, you can't be afraid to start again. And one of the things I think from a female perspective is I really work to help women realize that you only get back energy that you put out. So in healing and growing and starting new relationships and trying to overcome divorce um, or even trying to find that new relationship, I love what Brother Rashid said, you can find a new man, a new wife in that relationship. You have to go to a vulnerable place and space. And it takes time. It takes time. But it starts with really pushing past your fear that that person is going to hurt you again. And really, I, I, I do this. Um, I do this process called thinking about thinking, where we work into work around cognitive distortions mm. that we have that actually impact how we decision make. So we work through generalizations and magical thinking and fortune telling to to really help people to nail down their self awareness and have them realize that their perception of the situation in many times is really around a distortion in their thinking. And that is actually impacting their decision-making. So it's really, really important that you have to be vulnerable because ultimately I always say, the only person that wants to go over a wall are probably the people you don't want. Because mm. 98% of us are not fooling with people that they have to go through too many walls. They have to, you know, they have to penetrate. So the person that penetrates, even if you have this wall up, may not be the person for you. And so you're missing out on the 98% of the people that if you open up and make yourself available to them, they'll be able to come in. Even, Even your partner who you might be angry at or hurt by. So I will, I will leave you with that. And to say that, um, you know, um, it is so important for us as Black women to remember that, you know, the, the role of women has changed, our, you know, our, we are different, we are not one person, uh, we are so multifaceted and so multi-talented. Powerful. And powerful. Um, and, and I think the one thing I realized is that as we talked about before, it's like this idea of the fact that if we affirm that through um, our communication to others, that we'll get that back in return. And I think that there's a, a really wonderful space where brothers and sisters can get to know one another if we just let go and just take down the shields and the walls that we put up that prevented us from really um, being together. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and Brother Rashid, I want to, you know, same thing with you. Can give me some some things. Leave us with, you know, what, what's the, what's our takeaway from from this uh, this podcast today? I'm going. I'm going to um, 
I'm going to follow Rosie's leadership and, and deal with forgiveness. Um, and also, I want to model what it is to accept leadership in a woman. It's not about me, or it's not about me, I'm the man. I got to always be the, be the head. Yeah, you do have to be the head. But here's the thing. The head goes where the feet walk. Mm. The head eats what the eyes look at. The, 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 head, the head eats from off of what the, 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 the nose was smelling. You see, what the hands reached for. So the head is not the be all to end all. Mm -hmm. The head is a part of the whole. It has a specific role and don't get outside that role and try to do everybody else's role. Know those roles, understand those roles. We learned that from George Meade. But know your role and function in your role and be ready to relinquish the power when it belongs to another part of the body who has to do their part now. Okay, so I'll, I'll say that. Now, uh, I, will also, I will also say yes, we need to get away from the stigma of counseling. We need to get away from the stigma of mental health. We don't wanna talk about that. How can we have mental health in our community if we can't have a healthy relationship that has more impact on our mental state than any other? How many black women are out there having to re-raise men? So we can't say, oh, well, I ain't trying to raise no man. I ain't trying to be his mother. No, but there's a, there's a mother part that the man needs. Just like his father needed it, he needs it. And when he's looking for a mate, he cleaves from his mother and to his wife. Why is that? Why is there always this, this, this dynamic between a mother and a, and a, and a daughter-in-law, right? Because there's certain things that he needs and he's looking for a new source for those things mm -hmm. that are idiosyncratic to him, mm -hmm. okay? She's doing the same thing. She's looking for certain things idiosyncratic to her, specific to her, that deal with the relationship between herself and her father. She's looking for that. I'm not saying she's looking for daddy and he's looking for mama, but there is that caregiving and protective element in the relationship that each must be able to receive from the other. Uh, so, so, so there's that. Um, but from the forgiveness standpoint, you gotta, you gotta make a yes mean a yes. You gotta make a no mean a no. All right. If you, if you, if you effed up, if I can call it that, if you effed up, own that you effed up. Do not apologize for, I'm sorry you feel that way. No, I feel that way because of what you did. So apologize for what you did. Apologize for what you said. Mean the apology. When you make a promise, make the promise stand. Make a commitment and hold to the commitment. Um, and then that will enable me to trust you. When I see the evidence of where you could have broken the commitment, but you held to it. You got to rebuild, man. You can't burn the damn house down and then be mad because don't nobody want to let you in no more and let you see you with, uh, you know, a matchstick in your hand or nearby and you might pick it up. No. So, you, you, you know, be willing to do the work. Understand that the, you got work to do if, if, if you were willing to take that chance with something that you said meant so much to you. And lastly, as far as forgiveness goes, forgiveness is not for the person who committed the wrong. Forgiveness is for the person who has been wronged, right? Not forgiving means to hold and carry the weight of that pain uh, 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 into perpetuity, which bends your back. It don't bend the other person's back. You hating them uh, 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 
It's like it's like you drinking poison and expecting them to die. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, you gonna be the one who dies because all of that turns into vitriol. It turns into resentment and the resentment turns to hatred and the hatred turns to excess ever-present cortisol, which breaks your body down and makes you susceptible to cancer. Makes you susceptible mm-hmm. to other, uh, uh, to, to other uh, manifestations and, and, and um, symptomologies, okay? That take your life out of here sooner than you should have, should have left. So you are relinquishing through the act of forgiveness for yourself. Forgiveness yes. doesn't mean you're going to stay with the fool. Right. Mm. Maybe that's not in your best interest. And you have to put your interests um, above every interest because self-preservation is the first law of nature. Yes. So maybe, maybe it's good for you to forgive and stay. Maybe it's good for you to leave and then to learn how to forgive to preserve your own life. You don't stay together for the kids. I did that before. Mm-hmm. The kids are damaged. You could have been a father and you could have been a mother out of that relationship. It don't stop you from being a father and a mother. Yes. So you leave for the benefit of the kids if that will be the thing that gives greater benefit than you staying. Okay. But the forgiveness is for you. It's for your mental health. It's for your emotional health. Okay. And then that translates into your physical health, your financial health, you know, all other kinds of health all stem from that. You see. So, so forgiveness is key. We have to learn how to do it. Holding grudges does not help. You see, holding grudges does not help. Being vengeful does, does not help. You have to release all of that stuff. That's poisonous. It's toxic. After a while, it breaks you down. The other person doesn't even know anything about it unless you choose to tell them. Don't even care. Yep. Yep. So, so Jazz, before I go to you, Jazz, for your closing remarks, Jazz, um, Rosie, I want you to just talk a little bit about your company, you know, and how people can get in contact with you. They want to ever, you know, reach out and, um, you know, uh, you know, talk to you or whatever. You know, can you talk about a little bit about your company and what you do? Yes. So Rosemary Anderson and Associates is a private practice as well as a business consultation firm. Um, we are here in Towson, Maryland, but seek to the ability to work with any organization nationwide. Um, we are able to actually do telehealth um, as of now. And so we're working on a model that would allow us to do national telehealth specific in certain states, which is really, you know, um, our goal. Um, and you can find me at www.rosies, R-O-S-I-E-S, ventures, V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S.com. You can drop me a line there, or you can call our office here in um, Towson at 410-616-2940. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rosie. And uh, our brother Rashid, can you do the same thing? Tell us a little about what you do, you know, about your, 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 your business and how people can get in contact with you. All right. Uh, my business is also a consultancy. Um, my work is typically not um, a one-to-one type of work. My work is organizational, but I provide consulting services to uh, nonprofit agencies. I provide cult- consulting services to uh, non-government uh, organizations and to corporate and educational institutions. Um, my work surrounds systems uh, and all of the things that involve the systemic wholeness of, of uh, organizational culture 
organizational structures where they need to be redefined and redesigned, um, uh, organizational behavior, organizational psychology, uh, how to unearth deep culture and know the difference between an organizational culture and an organizational climate. The same way that climate uh, is spread over a longer period of time than day-to-day -day weather, culture is spread over a much broader and deeper uh, life of an organization than the climate that happens to be prevailing in that organization at this particular point in time. Uh, because of COVID, of course, um, we do some of our data collection by you know, remote, like on Zoom, uh, but typically I might go to an organization that engages me uh, and, and observe them in their operations uh, 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 for a period of time. Could be a day, could be a week, could be two weeks. And then um, after collecting my data, uh, I, anal I analyze the, the data and draw conclusions about it and come back and offer some possible solutions. And if that organization decides to engage me, then I go ahead and I design ways that I think it can be helpful to them with their help. Uh, it's not organization development unless the organization itself recognizes a perceived or a real problem and participates in the process of resolving that problem to get the desired outcomes they want. So that's basically what my work is. Um, it's applied sociology. My first, uh, my first uh, uh, graduate studies were in human services. You, you could probably regard this as, um, you, you could conceive of this as social work without the clinical part. Mm -hmm. My training is, is uh, uh, human services administration, um, the provision of the services. Uh, and uh, as I was talking to uh, Jazzy earlier, uh, I, um, in the course of studying uh, uh, health disparity within the black community, I came to understand that some of that health disparity is a result of the dysfunction of the healthcare delivery system itself, which purports to address the, 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 uh, uh, the health um, disparities. It causes them in many ways. Um, and some of those are from archaic ideas about us, uh, 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 and how much pain we can stand and how human we are in relationship to other people, uh, things of that nature. And it led me to look at systems. And that's how I went into a study of human and organizational systems, organization development, complex change, leadership, agile leadership, and what have you. So to find me, probably the best way is to uh, just go to my, um, my LinkedIn profile right now because my webpage is still under construction. I moved to a different server and I'm reconstructing my page. Um, you could also email me at Rashid at the Sharif Group, T-H-E-S-H-A-R-R-I-E-F-F, like Frank Frank, uh, G-R-O-U-P dot com. Rashid at the Sharif Group. And um, hit me by email. It's much better than calls. Uh, we can call once we, once we determine that there's a need for further correspondence and, and, and a deeper conversation. Uh, but you can always catch me on email. It allows me to have the freedom of my calendar and my time and it allows you to be able to reach me any time of day or night. Um, I respond quickly and uh, rates all depend upon what your needs are. Absolutely, thank you so much. So Jazz, man, we give us your closing remarks, Jazz. I know, I know you sitting there. I know I can see this beaming, man. So what do you think, bro? What do you think, man? Listen, and y'all get this all for free. Right? Exactly. Powerful, man. Free. Rosie and Rod, y'all killed it today. This was amazing. I'm, I'm saying this is amazing, it was, man. It was so much good information. Um, it is right on target with our our community. Who, yes. And, and that's who we're trying to serve. We want to start these 
these conversations, the dialogue um, with couples. So it just it just hits all, all the numbers. So I, I just want to quote a famous contemporary urban uh, poet by the name of Tupacalus Shakur. <laughs> and he says it plainly. He says, since we all came from a woman, oh got a name from a woman, got our game from a woman, I wonder why we take from our women, why we mm. rape our women, do mm. hate our women. Mm. And so I think that that is, mm. I leave with, with that thought. Mm. I leave with that thought. We always talk about, G and I always talk about how much um, our, what our mothers have poured into us. And it has made us into the men that we are today. But I think based on this, this robust discussion, I have to, me personally, have to take an introspective look at myself. Mm -hmm. I really do. And this is just real talk. I have to take a look at myself and the role I have been playing, acting, the role I've been acting as a mate in a relationship mm -hmm. because maybe I've just been playing a role and I haven't mm -hmm. truly been myself in these relationships. And so I know that um, I hope that how this has helped me, I hope that this will help our listeners as well, G. Great. So I'm going to say this uh, to before, before you yes. before you put this last cap on it. Let me yes. just say that I myself gained so much from this dialogue tonight. I learned so much, you know, um, sometimes, you know, you, 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 you get involved in a conversation that's so that's so mm -hmm. data rich, you know, and understanding rich. You you say things that you didn't even know you knew, <laughs> you know. You, 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 you had a subconscious awareness of it that never came to the fore until something external to yourself engaged you in a way that drew it out of you. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and so I respect deeply the leadership, Rosie, that you have, that you have played in this conversation. Amen. Yes. yes. Women are the linchpin, man. And, we, and we, are, we are the spokes around the hub when it comes to men and women. We, we got to accept that. You know, Our role is to hold the wheel in place. But y'all are the hub. Yes. Thank you. You see? And so I want to acknowledge that. I want to acknowledge that. I, I, I want us as men to own our misogyny, man. Yeah. We hate women for certain reasons. Some of those reasons may feel legitimate to us. Some of those reasons are absolutely not legitimate. They're just a matter of misperceptions and wrong thinking. Um, and, and, and some of those are because we don't recognize the symptoms of pain and we take it as, uh, as um, malice. Okay. And it's not malicious. It's, an ex it's, 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 it's pain being made manifest and we misinterpret it and then we, we respond to it by reacting to it rather than having a, a responsive um, a, a, a approach. So I just want to honor you and I want to honor the women and I want to tell you, gee, I love you, man. You know that. Love you. Absolutely, bro. Yes. You know, but now, but now Jazz and Rosie, I done found two two more people to love. <laughs> In this conversation, I, I want to thank all of you. And I want to yes. thank all, all of the listeners too. Um, please carry this forward and 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 utilize this. This conversation, if I didn't learn anything else, I learned we know what we need. 
what we need to heal and what we need for prospering and thriving, we have it. We have yeah, it. It's in it. It's in us. All we got to do is implement. Yes. Yes. You see, and so that's that. That's that's it for me tonight, man. I'm I'm like full. <laughs> and I want to say thank you to both of you. I believe that the universe makes no mistakes. Mm. And so we, you know, I was planted here in this kind of strayed kind of like in my mind. I'm like. The universe makes no mistakes. I'm so grateful uh, yes. to be here with you guys with the opportunity to share together. And I'll say to you that I, it, I was laid on my heart a month ago that part of my practice is to bring Black men into counseling. And the fact that a month later I'm sitting here with Rosie, you muted, Rosie. You were mute, you were mute by mistake. Talking, learning, growing. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm just so grateful. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you to the audience. And it's just wonderful. Thank Only you. do it. Listen, I wanted to close out <laughs> with this, man. Um, again, I'm, I'm, you don't know, I'm beaming all over. You know, I know my mom is a is an avid listener to this uh, our podcast, and my mom has a lot to do with my development as a woman and as a you know as a man. And you know, I know she's gonna be proud of this podcast. And mom, me and Jazz did this for you, mom. We brought these two amazing people together who never knew each other, and then we made you know we just they they opened up so many so many so many avenues and. Brother Rashid, you know how much I love you. And Rosie, I love you. Now you just don't know. You just got you got a you got a fan in me. You know. Mm -hmm. So I want to say this, man. You know, um, this is G talking all that jazz. I'm G. And I'm Jazz. And this is G talking all that jazz, and we're out. Peace.